what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our show here on TheMesh.TV where we talk about the world of providing excellent customer service to our customers, our clients, our coworkers, uh, everybody in between, and what it means to have a really strong service-based culture in organizations where we work or find ourselves encountering. Uh, my name is Alan Jackson. I'm here with the Jackson Group, a management consulting and survey services firm located in North Carolina. And with me is my co-host, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions, also in North Carolina. Ed, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Alan. Hope you're doing well today. Doing just fine, just fine. Now, you and I are both, uh, you know, college basketball and other sports going on. So we're big fans of the sport. So, of course, we've got some tournaments happening right now. Hopefully for the viewers listening, you don't hear us talking a little faster than normal, trying to speed <laughs> things up. Uh, maybe if there's pauses while we're checking our phone to see scores, hopefully none of those will be distractions uh, during the show. We're really going to try to focus in on our content, make sure we're providing the best information we can for our listeners. Right, Ed? I mean, that's what we're going to do, right? That's exactly what we're all about. Give, 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 never take, never get distracted. And oh, by the way, Virginia's up 13. Oh, really? So, okay. All just right. thought I'd share that. Yes. I haven't refreshed my phone in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> I wasn't sure. So. All right. Well, we're going to try our best to stay on topic with this and uh, in between the uh, the excitement of all of the tournament games going on. Ed, the main reason I wanted to talk with you today during our episode is I did read a blog post on your website, which I encourage people to check out. CSSamerica.com is the website for customer service solutions. And you guys put out some really great blog posts and email blasts on different topics that are real interesting and a lot of good helpful tips for people looking at their customer service culture. And you guys put out one just, uh, I think, in the last month or so talking about this idea of having or developing an always culture. So the idea of the word always, developing a culture around that word always. I read the blog post, so I have a basic idea of what it is you're getting at with that. But I thought this would be something of interest to talk about here on this episode for what it means to have an always culture and what organizations can do to try to move towards that. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. And uh, it's interesting because that phrase and always culture or culture of always is something that uh, I've been hearing and talking a lot more about over the last couple of years than I had previously. And it's primarily with our healthcare clients. Um, uh, as you're, uh, I'm sure, familiar with Alan and a lot of the folks who work in healthcare, there are surveys for whether it's uh, an acute care hospital, an ER, uh, physician practices, uh, home health, et cetera, that are coming out with these surveys, uh, federally mandated surveys. And a lot of the ways that the surveys are set up is they're trying to gauge how frequently something happens. It's not just how respectful was the employee, but are they always respectful? Not just how courteous are they, but are they always courteous? Are they always responsive? Are they always answering the call bell within a certain period of time? So in healthcare, what they're trying to do is say, well, if we're going to get evaluated based on whether or not we are always doing something, and if we're going to get paid in <laughs> yes. part based on whether or not we're always going to be doing something, then then how do we create a culture uh, of always? That's where uh, a lot of this phrasing is, is really hitting a fever pitch nowadays. It's, it's out of the healthcare industry in particular. Mm -hmm. and, well, and I can say just for my, uh, not to interrupt there too much, but uh, just in working with those patient satisfaction surveys, and again, we're not going to talk just patient satisfaction, getting people to think about that word always and what that really means. I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of a mentality shift for some people to think of, you know, basing what they do and just 
how high quality they perform on something, that is still obviously very important, but now it's really become a matter of how often something happens. And I think that's a really, it's a little bit of a change in mentality for a lot of people to think about. It is, and you're right, it's not just in healthcare. I was actually at a uh, North Carolina school district uh, talking to them about customer service culture this week, and they were showing me this survey they conducted of parents and even internal customers as well. It was a pretty massive survey, but a lot of the indicators there or also, uh, is this always happening, usually happening, sometimes happening, never happening? Now, this is a K-12 through school district, and they're talking about uh, the always aspect of serving customers. And this actually been a phraseology that's been around for a good number of years. Whenever the, this type of uh, survey measurement came about, then, then people started focusing on it. What does it mean to be always just like when you have surveys where the highest rating is excellent? What does it mean to be excellent? And, and a lot of that always culture, that uh, mentality, uh, really, if you wanted to focus on one word, it would be consistency. Always means, you know, essentially we're trying to do something 100% of the time. You know, if at all possible, whether you're talking to an employee on first shift or second shift, whether you're talking to an employee in finance or on a patient care unit, whether you're talking to some frontline person in retail or you're talking to the IT person in the back, uh, regardless of who you're talking to, at what level you're talking, at what time of day, you're always going to get the same level of service, responsiveness, respect, compassion, uh, et cetera. So, Alan, I'll just ask you a couple questions if that's all right. Sure, um, absolutely. Why do you uh, think it's helpful as a, as a business to try to always uh, do certain things, to try to always be compassionate or always be respectful? Why, why is that a, a somewhat of a good goal to have? Well, I, I think to me what I always see the word always as being is that, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult proposition to always perform at a high level. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't focus on performing always at a certain level, there's always that chance that one time it doesn't happen. Maybe the one time that somebody goes out and tells 20 of their friends about the horrible experience they had, even if every other experience that you provided that week was really positive for, for clients or customers. Sometimes all it takes is that one slip up, that one bad experience to really get a bad reputation or bad word of mouth out there spread. So that's why yeah. setting that consistency is so important. Right. And you also used a really key phrase there. It was high level. So we're not saying to be consistently bad. You know, we're not saying to be consistently average. We're, right. we're saying to be consistency, consistently excellent. You know, the idea of an always culture is how do we consistently perform at a really high level? So what I want us to do is think in terms of excellence. I mean, it's hard to achieve excellence or perfection per se, but if you pursue excellence, you know, you look at your operations, how you hire people, how you reward them, how you motivate them, you look at your, your, your processes, your structure, how you engage your customers. If you're striving for excellence there, you're striving for this consistently high level of performance, like you say, you're just going to continuously improve. You're just going to see the outcomes of what you do get better and better and better. And just to kind of illustrate this, mm -hmm. uh, Alan, I'm going to turn you into a college basketball player. Oh, man. This is the best episode of Stepping Up Service ever. <laughs> oh, it gets it gets better, Alan. Are oh, you ready? Oh, I can't wait. Yes, yes, I'm ready. You're a college basketball player for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Well, of course I am. I mean, who else would I be? Well, good point. Okay, now, but but this is this is a little bit of a test. Okay. And uh, I'm going to tell you that you have your choice of two coaches, but I don't want you to tell me which coach you want to play for until I describe the two coaches. Okay. And don't don't let the 
names throw you, okay? I'm going to tell you their names, then I'm going to describe them. The first coach you could potentially play for, his name is Coach Dean Smith, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, Coach Dean Smith, uh, he he is uh, always – wanting you to hit your free throws. I mean, if, if you are standing 15 feet from the basket, nothing's going on around you. He wants you to hit those free throws all the time. He okay. wants you, when you make a basket, to point at the person who threw you the pass who assisted to you when you're going down court to acknowledge what they did. You always got to do that. Always. Uh, that's yes. got to be a habit. If there's a ball that goes up to the rim and, and it's missed, you have to always box out your man so you can get that rebound. You can't do it some of the time. And let's say you're setting a pick for the point guard uh, after you set that pick you always have to roll toward the basket okay okay now now th- this is the the coach dean smith you could potentially play for now i'm going to give you a, a second option for a coach you ready sure his name is coach terry terrible hmm. coach terry terrible uh, didn't decide anything that you really had to do right. um you know, he, he didn't decide, well, I want my players to always hit their free throws. He didn't decide that he wanted his players to always point at the guy who assisted or always box out. He really didn't decide uh, things that he always wanted his players to do, and therefore he didn't really tell his players what he, he wanted them to do, and, and therefore he didn't really show them how to do what he wanted them to do since he really didn't decide what he wanted to do. He didn't even uh, have you practice what he wanted to do because he wasn't real clear on, on defining what he always wanted you to do. And he didn't tell you how well you were doing. You know, he didn't give you that kind of constant feedback as well. So in those two coaching scenarios, the coach Dean Smith, who was uh, telling you what he expected of you always practicing it always, uh, uh, you know, rewarding, recognizing, pointing out things always and encouraging you to do likewise versus coach Terry terrible. Who would you prefer to play for? I, I'm assuming there's no trick in the question here. I'm I, I'm going to go with Coach Dean Smith, but uh, yeah, I'm not missing anything. This Coach Ter- Terry Terrible sounds pretty bad as not only a coach, <laughs> but uh, someone as a human being too. So, <laughs> so that's actually an excellent point. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I, I guess I'll, I'm going to go with Coach Dean Smith. I would have done that for the minute you said his name, but you know, I did, yes. I wanted to hear both the examples to be sure. So yes. Yeah. So even if I wouldn't told you the name. Uh, you know, it's interesting your comment about uh, I don't even know how nice a person or good a person that Terry Darable is. I mean, wh- why would you be motivated to, to play for Dean Smith? I mean, what what would make you lean in that direction, even if it wasn't for the name? Well, I, I think knowing that there's he, there's a certain way he can he can ensure quality on the court. And part of that is through consistency. I mean, mm-hmm. it just you've got to be in the routine of always knowing to do something the right way and having somebody show you what that is and then reinforcing it on a constantly regular basis. And I think that's the thing that, you know, you could go into a program like his and not know how to do these things. He's going to show you how to do the things and he's going to remind you every single game and every single practice that these is what, this is what he's expecting to do. That's rewarding. It may, it may be frustrating at first for somebody who's trying to buy into that concept, buy into the idea, but eventually they're going to get in the routine, and it's going to be a very consistent process for them. I think that's right. a good way to be coached. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a great way to, to look at it. You know, initially, uh, they might have difficulty with buying. Maybe it's not the way they're always used to doing things. But once the, it becomes more of a habit versus something they have to think through, once they see the results being positive as opposed to the results being inconsistent or negative, uh, they're going to realize what a benefit it is to play to somebody who's real clear with their expectations, who shows you what what to do and how to do it, or reinforces when you're doing it right. You know, you have that clarity of understanding. So from from the 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 teammate, the player standpoint, it's a much better environment to be in when there is 
that clarity, there's that direction, there's that teaching, practicing, et cetera. Now, let, let's look at how this uh, applies to the always culture. And I'm going to give you, we're going to look at this both organizationally and individually. Let's start from the organizational perspective. Uh, we think that there's a half a dozen different ways that you can try to create this kind of always culture. You know, first of all, you use the word consistency. Uh, and what we're talking about here, like you, you uh, alluded to earlier with the consistently high level, we want consistent excellence. So the first thing you have to do based on this basketball analogy is you have to define what you always want them to do. You have to define what excellence is. It's very hard to get consistency and excellence uh, if you're not clear with the staff uh, about what you're looking for. So clearly defining what it is to be excellent and what it is yeah. to have the high quality you want. Yeah, it's really interesting. Over the last year or so, uh, the clients that we work with when we've done training, they're uh, much more apt to ask us, hey, during the training, can you share lots of examples of what great customer service looks like? And the reason why they're saying that is because there's so many people out there who think they know what customer service is, what great customer service is, but until they see the juxtaposition of average or poor versus great, until they start thinking of aspects of the Disney's, the Chick-fil-A's, the Ritz-Carlton's of the world, the Nordstrom's of the world, until they really think about great versus mediocre, they don't really have that image. So mm -hmm. a lot of our clients are wanting us to paint a picture of greatness so that they can better illustrate to the staff what's the difference between where they're at today and where they want to be tomorrow. I see. So yeah. having that clearly defined, clearly laid out, giving you know the best examples you can about what is the level of quality or service we want to be providing, you got to have everybody on board with that definition. Right. And the second thing you have to do is just like, like in the Dean Smith analogy, you have to be very clear in setting expectations of staff. Now, I expect you to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm not just sharing what it looks like for the sake of sharing what it looks like. I expect you to do this. And I would hope that you as a staff person would expect me as a leader to be treating you this same way as well, that I'm modeling modeling the behaviors that you expect of others. So the second thing, if you want this consistency, you have to be very clear on what you expect of staff and you need to make sure that you're modeling those behaviors as well. So just going into a staff meeting and saying, well, this is the definition of what is excellent or good customer service, like we did in the first point. But then just saying, well, try to do this whenever you can. You know, it's, I know you're busy, so if you can't always do this, that's fine. But try your best to do it. It's not really going to instill quite the message into your team that you need them to. It needs to be that clear expectation of this is what we need you to do. We need you to do this all the time. Right. You know, there's only so many, when you're painting a picture or a vision of great customer service, there's only so many pictures you can paint at a real high level and showing them examples of experience. But uh, if you want to get into details, that's when we talk to a lot of our clients about customer service standards and example actions. Well, great customer service is not responding to a phone call, uh, voice message five days later. You know, it, it's not... Uh, getting an email and never responding it, it, until you get the answer. You know, you at least have to acknowledge it. It's not somebody walking up to you and you sitting at your computer and looking at the, the computer the whole time while you're engaged with this customer. I mean, you have to be real specific at some point about what is poor customer service and what do I really expect of you? Gotcha. Uh, okay. The, the third point is you got to make sure that you're processes, your procedures, your systems enable great customer service because you could have the, the greatest employees in the world, but if their processes are cumbersome, their processes are inconsistent, you know, you have five different employees doing some, the same thing five different ways, then those processes are an aspect of your customer service. So you really got to look and say, have we really taken a step back and said, 
you know, we have five different employees, what's the best practice way of doing this? And how do we define that best practice process and get all of our employees to try to do things in the same best practice manner? So the third way you really try to get this organizationally is to say, well, what what is a best practice way of doing things and how do we get all of our staff to adopt that? So really looking at the systems and make sure that the processes are there to provide the best customer service to meet that always expectation that's being defined for you. Because you don't want the systems, the processes, the workflow, the way it's handled to be the thing that holds you back from really delivering that, that strong customer service. Right. I mean, how many times have you or I been on the phone with a customer service rep and they say something like, um, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, our system's incredibly slow today. Or, uh, yes, I know you just gave that information on the phone and you typed in uh, your account number, but I need you to tell me because the system didn't convey that account number to me. So now all of a sudden, the, the you might have a very nice person who's an employee, but you have an aggravated customer because they've keyed in all this information. Now they have to repeat it. I mean, it, it's just the process and system don't lend themselves to consistently high service. I see. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on that point. Sure. Yeah, the next point, point number four, is structure. You have to structure yourself for success. So, uh, you know, there's the example, getting back to healthcare, where you might want consistency. But let's say you're dealing with a a certain department in the hospital and their volumes are exceptionally high during certain points of the year compared to others or on certain shifts versus others. Their volumes tend to fluctuate a lot but their staffing is the same. So in that sense, they don't have uh, a number of resources that increases with the volume and decreases with the volume. If that's the case, you're gonna have bottlenecks when you're working with that department certain times of the day and other times of the day or times of the year, you're gonna have situations where the staff are are, uh, less productive than they need to be. So part of it from a structural standpoint is to really make sure that the staff have the resources they need, but also that the volumes, if they warrant a certain level of staffing or other types of resources, that those resource levels are flexing up and down so you can more consistently provide the same level of service. Okay, great. That makes perfect sense. Kind of goes in hand in hand a little bit too with the previous point about the systems. It's just it's all there, the structures in place for it as well. Good. Right. Point five is the one everybody always thinks about when they think about customer service. It's the people point. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if we want to have great customer service, we got to determine in our hiring processes uh, how do we make sure we're looking for people with the attitudes, the communication skills, the propensity to deliver that service consistently. It's much easier to get people who are in the habit of delivering great customer service if they're wired that way up front rather than take somebody who might be technically sound, clinically sound, but if you talk to them from a customer service perspective, they're starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to get that consistency, that that habit mentality if they come with it when you hire them. So you gotta look at how you hire, you gotta look at how you train your folks, to get that consistency, you got to look at how you reward and hold people accountable. So this is more the people, the HR piece. You want to make sure you're looking for people who have that mentality, that that consistency up front, and then you're consistently training, rewarding, and redirecting them when appropriate. Um, on that HR side of things there too, Ed, I mean, I'm surprised so many times. Uh, you know, I interview a lot of people for jobs and positions that we've had throughout our company over the years. And, you know, it's just amazing to me to think that, you know, there's some people applying for jobs that don't even apply those customer service skills even in the job application and interview process. Oh. And to me, that's the number one giveaway that if I'm looking for somebody that's going to play any semblance of a customer service role with my company, you want to start seeing that exhibited 
in all your encounters with them, even during the application process, the interview process? Do they send a nice thank you note after an interview? Do they follow up with a very clear, concise uh, communication style? Uh, you know, you're looking for those things there too. So I just think it's, you're right. You got to really be looking for those people, the right people to play these roles. And you can't just assume that because on paper, it seems like they'd have the skill set. That's not always the case. There's ways to actually see those skill sets in, in action, just in normal mm-hmm. interactions with them. So, Yeah, I mean, if they if they don't elicit those kind of positive skills when they're looking for a job, what's to make you think they're going to elicit those skills, show them once they've gotten the job? I mean, that, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, the last, the first couple of weeks, and then they, they get, it normally fizzles out after that. So Exactly. Uh, and the last point is actually the point that we started the, this whole podcast with, and that's measurement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have to, if you want a an always culture, you want that kind of consistency, you got to measure it continually. So you have a feel for where are we inconsistent, uh, where are we trending in the wrong direction, so you can take corrective action down the road. So you have to have that continuous improvement, that monitoring piece uh, in place as well. So that's really talking about where letting your customers tell you, did they get that always experience all the time? And if mm-hmm. not, then something's not working. You need to go back and reevaluate it and find out what's going on. Right. Because the idea of this measurement is, uh, well, the customer is telling you if you're always successful or not. So you have to have a voice of the customer strategy that is going to continue to see that feedback. And if you're straying from where you want to be, you know it from a data-driven standpoint. So you can figure out where do I target my improvement efforts. Gotcha. Tell you what, Ed, we're going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, okay. I think uh, we're going to talk maybe some points on the individual. Is that right? Yes. Great. Perfect. Yeah, we're going to head in that direction. Awesome. I am Alan Jackson talking with Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions about the always culture, how to develop an always culture in your organization here on Stepping Up Service, here on the Mesh.tv. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson of the Jackson Group, and I'm here talking to Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions about developing an always culture with your organization. Uh, before we get back into some of the points and discussion there, just a reminder, TheMesh.TV is our podcast network right here out of Western North Carolina, where we have a series of programs and episodes available for you to listen to. They're all free. They're all able to be downloaded or streamed to your local device, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever it may be. Uh, to get, find out a little bit more about the network, you can visit themesh.tv. You can find a whole slew of other shows online, uh, back episodes for every show, including this one. So if you find that some of the topics we're talking about you think would be helpful to your organization or coworkers, you can actually direct them to the website. People can go and listen to all the old episodes back from episode number one that we started at least a couple years ago and uh, download those on demand and listen to them anytime you'd like and share them with other people on social media as well. And we're also on Apple iTunes. So I do recommend that uh, if you use iTunes or your iTunes user, uh, to go online, find our show, and give us a star rating or give us a comment and give us some feedback on how you feel the show's going. Uh, we always love to hear back from our listeners. 
And uh, we're always open to ideas for other topics as well, if you have any to share. So Ed, getting back into our topic about the always culture, I wanted to kind of follow up real quick on one point you made at the last uh, section where we talked about these organizational things that can be done to ensure this always culture. Sure. The last one you mentioned had to do with measurement. And uh, I think it's really important to key in on that you can make a lot of assumptions that you are delivering that always experience, but unless the clients or customers are telling you you are, you don't really have the data to base on that. So that measurement's really important. Taking it back to healthcare, which is where some of the conversation got started during our examples at the beginning, you know, healthcare using these standardized patient satisfaction surveys, the questions all asked frequency of things happening and always is that top box score you're looking for. Do you realize, and I think I'm pretty sure you do, that when they publicly report these scores out to the rest of the world where you can see hospital against hospital on patient experience scores, only percentage that's reported is the percentage of people who said always on things. Yes. So even though usually may seem like a pretty good score for a lot of people, (laughs) um, when it comes to public reporting of data, it doesn't mean anything. Usually it's just the same as never. And when that, when it comes to public opinion, so that always percentage really does become very important. Getting customers and clients to score that always box on what you're doing is really pretty critical in all industries, but it's becoming very, very important in healthcare because that is tied to reimbursement for them on their uh, Medicare as well. So, yeah, and that's a great point. Uh, and that's different than most industries because uh, most industries customer satisfaction data is kept close to the vest for the company and they use it internally for improving operations. But uh, if you're talking about these healthcare organizations, it's not just, hey, how am I doing? But uh, the patient says, hey, how are you doing, Mr. Hospital versus your competitor down the road? So really, when you think about all the marketing in the world that's out there, all the advertising in the world that's out there, and people often say, well, word of mouth advertising is the the best form. Well, it can, uh, in terms of this survey, uh, this survey serves as uh, a method of marketing, either good uh, good news about your business or bad news about your business. So you got to make sure you're not only doing it always, but you're realizing that patient voice is also going to be driving patient perceptions of you versus competitors. Absolutely. Very, very yeah. good point. So, yeah. uh, so you wanted to move on to some items that had to deal with individuals, what some things they need to focus on for creating that always culture. Yeah, definitely. Because when you think about the always culture, oftentimes you could think from a leader's perspective, like we just did and say, well, what do I as a leader, business owner, manager need to do to try to create this kind of consistent excellence? Well, we can't just dump all the responsibility on the managers. At some point, we need the employees to take ownership as well in terms of saying, how can I become always excellent at delivering customer service. So uh, just like we talked about uh, six different uh, strategies and components of an overall strategy an organization can take to create an always culture, let's talk about six different things that the individual employee can do as well. Uh, And the first uh, is maybe a little bit softer sounding than the other five, but if you want to create uh, this kind of consistent excellence uh, as an individual employee, it, it's much easier to do if you try to be empathetic. And it's a word that we use over and over again, especially at CSS with our clients, but it's a lot easier to consistently 
be excellent in your customer service if you are consistently trying to be understanding of the other person. You're consistently trying to do the right thing with the customer, the right thing for the customer. And if you're consistently trying to understand what's unique about the other person, what's unique about their situation, it, it just makes it more natural for you to do the right thing, to, to try to always do the right thing, to try to meet their needs, resolve their issues, find solutions. So the first key as an individual if you want to become part of this always culture on your own, you want to become consistently excellent is really work on trying to be empathetic, understanding of others. And you know, Ed, I, this is one of those common themes that I think we weave into a lot of our, our discussions is this whole idea yes. of empathy. And yes. I think we even had an episode where we spent a lot of time talking about empathy with the customer. And uh, I knew that was going to be one of your points here. I could have predicted <laughs> that when we started talking about individually, what can we do? Because it really is. It's something we preach a lot in our office as well is uh, put yourself in the shoes of the customer. Exactly. And it makes it a lot easier to keep that always focused mentality on the best quality product you can offer. Yeah. Now we're going to get a little bit more tactical after that uh, empathy uh, item. The, the second characteristic is that you want to know why this is important to you. I mean, oftentimes, uh, if for you to really buy into doing something, you really have to understand personally how this is impacting you. So how does it benefit me to consistently try to give good service? How does it benefit me to try to consistently delight the customer, make a great impression. There's all sorts of different motivators for different people. I mean, the, a couple obvious ones are if you try to be consistent, then if you, at that point, you're really going to find that it's easier to perform. If you view customer service as a light switch, uh, that, you know, for certain people, I'll turn it on when I need to. For others, I'm not going to worry about turning it on. It's just hard to operate effectively that way. Uh, it's much easier if you're more consistent. It's more of a habit. You don't have to worry about, okay, how am I supposed to act in this situation? You're just always acting in a certain empathetic, professional, customer-focused way. Uh, the other thing, if you're consistent uh, in doing this, you can also realize that you're probably going to get a lot more positive feedback from your customers, from sure, your coworkers. Absolutely. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, if I really just try to deliver this level of service, it's amazing how many more pats on the back I'm going to get, how much better I'm going to feel about my job just because I'm going to have customers saying these great things about me. So if you start to realize how it can benefit you personally, you can, to some extent, motivate yourself to, to create this uh, internal always focus. You know, for, for me, Ed, I, I, you kind of hit on it a little bit, talking about how, how it's a little easier to perform in a really strong manner when something is more consistent, when you get yes. good at it and you know how to do it and there's no question in your mind about how to do it. Consistency leads to comfort, feeling more confident in what you do. And when you're more confident in what you do and you're comfortable with it, you're going to perform better in general. So right. that, that level of consistency is not to turn people into robots, but it's really the idea of, you know, what's expected, you know, how it's important to you, you know, these things, and you can practice them on a daily basis. So Yeah, that's exactly right. The more comfortable you are, the more confident you are, and that gets back to the practice and the Dean Smith analogy, then, then the easier it is going to be to deliver this great level of service. Absolutely. Our, our third point ties into one of the points from the organizational list, and that's know your organizational expectations. Uh, you know, it's a lot easier to always perform in a certain way if you know what's expected of you. So make sure that you actually know what the organization's vision is or long-term goal is. Know how the organization is measuring performance. Know how they typically reward performance. Know on the performance evaluations how they hold you accountable. If you know how the organization views it, 
what they expect of you, how they measure, monitor, reinforce, et cetera, then at that point, you're, you're going to have a much better feel for uh, what should you be doing. Focus your energies in one direction instead of worrying about uh, uh, like a pinball, focusing in a lot of different areas because you're unsure of what the organization really expects. So really what we're saying to you as individuals is pay attention during orientation or uh, staff training or whatever it may be. Just, you know, pay attention, <laughs> actually listen to what it is that they're expecting of you, and that, that, that'll help clarify a lot of things for you. Yeah, if you pay attention, you listen, you learn, and, and you know what's expected, it gives you a little bit of clarity of purpose as well. Sure. The, the next point, it's another one of these no's, uh, K-N-O-W, know your stuff. I mean, the, the more you know your procedures, your processes, you know you, your coworkers, you know who to contact and what departments, the more you know your policies, the more confident you are that you can handle certain situations in a certain way, going back to that word confidence you had, the more consistent you can be because you know who to contact, where to route people. So you can deliver uh, that, that always, that consistent positive experience if you're knowledgeable and you know exactly where to go and you can go there repeatedly uh, and feel confident in doing it when you're presented with different questions, different issues, different challenges that you have to address. So really, as we're talking about, it's being a two-way street with the organization. I mean, the organization, yes. we, we said it's, it's on them to clearly define the expectations and share those expectations. But at the same time, the employee's got a responsibility to make sure that you are going out and knowing those expectations and listening and learning and taking them and using using them. So it really is it's a two-way street. There's got to be that sharing of knowledge and information, but the individual can take the efforts to go and make sure they understand it, ask questions or clarification if they don't. And uh, yeah, there again, it's two it's, it's on both sides. Absolutely. Right. And the, the fifth point ties into that integration as well between the organization and the individual. And that is just try to make it a habit, practice, repeat in a habit. When, when you think about training, that's an organizationally driven, typically uh, organizationally driven initiative. But individually, am I practicing uh, the, those different types of habits? Am I trying to learn during any kind of downtime more about my organization and how to handle things? Am I trying to make this a habit? There, there's so many times when we've delivered training and uh, we have 20, 30 people in a room and you can tell people leaving that room who is actually going to take that book that they've been taking copious notes and mark it up and they're going to be looking back at that book and who else is going to stick it on a shelf and never look at it again. And then based on how you know how they're coming out of that training, you pretty much know who's going to deliver the better experience. It's the people who really listened, who are going to refer back to it. Uh, I did some training a few years back, and I walked into this uh, organization about a year later doing some consulting with them, and they had this technique, how do you diffuse the upset customer, and it was taped on a wall, and they reinforced it with staff every day. And you know that they are probably much more consistent on how they handle those situations because they reinforce it. Staff are more consistent because they're looking at it, they're thinking about it, rather than just hearing it once and then going back to their job without any thought about, well, what did I learn? How do I incorporate all these different techniques and tools and principles into my day-to-day -day life? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So again, yeah, the whole integration between making sure not only you're listening and you're knowing what it is, but you've got to be the one to put yourself in the habit and the practice of it. Uh, yes. The organization has the responsibility to make sure it's clear and it's de definitions and expectations and all the systems and processes are in place to make sure you can do that always routine work. But it's still up to the individual, just like 
exercising, just like eating right, just like remembering to brush your teeth, all those things. I mean, it's just you get yourself in the habit of performing at the always level. Right. It makes it a lot easier to do so. Yes, you're exactly right. And and the last point, again, it's somewhat integrated between the organization, the individual, but you have to take uh, the opportunity to really see the fruits of your labor, you know, to take a step back and see your benefits. I've been actually doing this for the last month where uh, on my to-do list for the day, right next to it, I'll have a column that talks about successes for the day. Mm -hmm. And literally as, you know, where there's that great meeting, there's that great call, there's that great uh, activity, event, moment, like this podcast. I'm sure I'll write this down under my successes for the day. absolutely. Yes, Yes. it should be at the top of your list, actually. Uh, Yes, I I, I, I saved a space because I assumed it would be. Perfect. But at the end of the day, you know, I'll take a, a look at that list and say, you know, I, even though I, I might have had eight phone calls and dealt with 50 emails and had two meetings and I did all this tactical stuff, at the end of the day, these are the successes. These are the fruits of the labor. And when I come in the next morning before I toss that previous day to-do list, I'll look through the successes that I had from the previous day to just kind of reinforce, you know, we're doing all these activities, but we're doing them for a purpose. And sometimes we have those celebrations and granted the organization to create celebrations of great results. They should reward and recognize people. But sometimes, again, we have to take ownership over that ourselves and we have to just take a step back and and we have long arms for a reason. It's to pat ourselves on the back once in a while. We have to really realize that all this practice we're doing, all this reinforcement we're doing on our own, all this uh, trying to align ourselves to the organizational goals, uh, it's bearing some fruit. You know, that's, and I'll, I'll comment personally on that one because that's something we learned in recent years with our own staff is that we realize after a while that the people who are in our office and the ones who are cranking out satisfaction reports for clients and who are producing these kind of quality uh, products that we've, we've tried to offer, they never were seeing how our clients were using that data. Uh, they were never seeing the impact that it had at the organization. So we started getting the habit of trying to take some of our internal staff to go with us on some feedback presentations and to go and meet the clients just so they can actually see that, wow, people are actually using these reports and making strategic decisions for the organization based on the stuff we're providing them. And it gives them a little bit of a sense of ownership and it makes them feel like what they're doing, there is a real value in the end for it. We saw some immediate returns from that where people elevated their level of quality and work and kept the constant focus on it because you are able to close that loop and let them see the results of what they did. So absolutely, I completely agree with you on that last point. Yeah, that, that is fantastic that y'all do that. And and I imagine it even created a little bit of uh, accountability mm-hmm. with the staff. Oh, my goodness, this information is being presented in front of these 12 administrators. Right. And they're peppering this consultant with questions. And what if my data wasn't right or the information wasn't presented right? You know, I want to make sure I'm putting my coworker in a position where they can be successful. And, and wow, these folks really make business decisions, like you say, based on it. I imagine it creates that, that personal accountability as well as that that personal value of the importance of what they do. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree with you. Wow. Yeah. Those are some really, really good points. Again, we're talking about this whole development of an always culture. We went through a lot of items uh, that were things that could be done at the organization level. And then a list of things that an individual can take on and work with as well. But this whole idea of always the consistency, the constantly striving for something happening on a regular basis is really becoming even more and more important than it ever has been, I think, as people are 
have a lot more options on where they go for business. They have a lot more options on who they work with these days and ways to get information on other vendors. That consistency of providing that best experience is going to become even more important in the years to come, I think. so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the more there's competition, the more that there's options and the more that organizations are, are being viewed by the customers, not just uh, in and of their own performance, but how they perform versus others. And where there's that lack of consistency, that's just another opportunity for a customer to go elsewhere. Yep, absolutely. Ed, great information. Thanks so much for sharing oh, that, thanks. Sharing that discussion that. with us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. But uh, if you've got any questions or thoughts on the kind of things we're talking about today, or just about the customer service world in general, we'd love to hear from you. A lot of different ways to reach us. You can go to the mesh.tv website, and there's a contact us page right there on the site. You can just uh, ask a question for Stepping Up Service, and we will make sure it gets to us. Uh, you can also go on iTunes and make some comments on a review post if you just want to comment on the overall what you think about the show in general. Um, so we'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. So please reach out to us with any suggestions, ideas, or feedback on the show itself. Uh, we get, we'll get back together again soon and talk about another aspect of customer service. Ed, so I take it the weekend. You got some, uh, we got some ball games to watch, huh? We have plenty of ball games. March March Madness is a wonderful time of year, Absolutely. so it'll it'll be a lot of fun. One of my favorite times of the year, so I'm looking forward to the weekend. Should be good, and I think the weather may be holding out for us as well. So overall, it should be a yes. fun weekend. Right. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been Stepping Up Service here on the Mesh.tv, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.